0: ideas,
1: inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer.
0: And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald and I am so, so thrilled to have a guest back that had been with us a a number of years ago we talked about her previous book which was called up pursuing significance and uh, our guest today is Joan O'Sullivan Wright and Joan I am just so thrilled to be talking to you again oh
1: thank you cheeky I am too And we're going to talk
0: about your new book, and uh, I'll share a little bit about that in a minute. But for those who didn't get to meet you the first time around, can you give us just a thumbnail for our listeners? Uh,
1: About myself?
0: Yes. Okay. (laughs) And you can start that whenever you want. You get to pick the entry point.
1: Okay. Um, I I am um, a, an executive coach who has had the opportunity to be become an author um, uh, two times and um, from that I also do some speaking but probably where my proudest uh, moments are is the opportunity to to work with leaders in their organizations in the space of linking leadership and life together and I I have uh, experienced this myself in my own life um, when I've uh, tried to compartmentalize things and uh, it has always backfired (laughs) and uh, so my uh, my work in the last I'd say 15 years is to really personally be that same person both um, uh, when i'm in my vocational space um uh working with leaders and companies, but also when i'm a, a wife and mother at home and it's been my greatest challenge and probably my biggest joy um i my our home is in Charlotte north Carolina um, and we are empty nesters we have three adult children um one who lives here in Charlotte with us, one who is uh, moving here this summer, and hopefully we'll 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 end up with all three uh in our in our hometown uh, along the way and we have two puppies. Duncan is our our two year old puppy, and he has just become a therapy dog, and then we have a senior dog, Molly, um who's a Jack Russell, and so they are my companions during the day because I have a home office.
0: Oh, how great. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because when I first interviewed you about your last book, uh and and that book shared uh some experiences that you had uh actually climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And uh I don't know if you remember I I asked you about a year ago if I could uh kind of borrow some of of that experience in a book that I was writing. And my book is actually a novel, uh, but it's an allegorical business novel. And so one of the lead characters in my book actually is someone who is training uh, to climb, and you become her mentor uh, in the book. And and I share a little bit about your story, and, and we certainly use the metaphor of, of being on the mountaintop and looking out and having this incredible long-term vision that you get in that particular moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, climbing mountains is about as far away from my life, you know, as I could ever be. I, I do it a lot metaphorically, but <laughs> never physically. So... Um how did you get from that first book to this book? And and I haven't shared the title with our our guests yet, but the title of this book is Soul Links: Pursuing Multigenerational Significance. And and just as we were getting on on the phone, I was saying, you know, that for me, when you take a look at some other generations experience and, you know, my my kids as well as as spending time uh with with my elders, you know you you get out of yourself for a moment and and I think we don't mm-hmm. spend enough time out of our own perspective so so give me a little bit of a bridge uh between up and soul links okay
1: well, to be honest um <laughs> I had not planned to write a second book um up was a a big big venture for me, and it is a a book with a lot of girth to it and <laughs> a lot of uh versatility and I th- I thought I had had done the book f- um for my life and <laughs> um and I was on Friday mornings um I had the luxury of um sipping coffee uh at my actually at my kitchen table um with oftentimes either Morning Joe or the Today Show on in the background, and uh, I was getting um, uh, this alert on, on the TV, Brown great Breaking Research, um, uh, some uh, critical information about um, uh, elders and millennials, and I thought, holy cow, um, I need to listen to this. So stop what I was doing and after after the commercial break uh this wonderful psychologist came on and she shared um this um this research uh that just knocked me off off my um seat uh and the research uh describes that uh today's elder generation is more depressed and isolated than any other time in history and Cheeky, they um, believe that they become iller- irrelevant and unneeded. And mm. at the same time, today's younger generation, uh, our millennials, are more depressed and disheartened um, uh, because they're fearful about their futures and they haven't lived life long enough to see uh, these hard times through. And the psychologist is saying, we put these two cohorts together and magic can happen because the two of them can feed off of what what can be hopeful right uh, and i you know the reason why it grabbed me so much was um i had witnessed this with our oldest my stepson who had this kind of relationship uh with an unlikely Uh, next door neighbor, an older woman. So I saw that all flesh out. I also um, had three three adult children, three millennials. I have, you know, a mother who's a senior. And as AARP would classify me, (laughs) I'm a a, a senior as well. I'm eligible for a lot of different discounts. So it just grabbed me. And um and i and i thought to myself i need to i need to write and that's um oftentimes Tiki, how i make meaning out of things um you know you you might remember from when we talked um with up my climb up mount kilimanjaro um uh, my journal um was probably the most important tool that um made meaning out of that experience and then i knew um when I heard this research and the power behind these two unlikely generational co- cohorts coming together in a one-to-one mutually beneficial relationship, that there was something really uh, important there. Um, so uh, I started out with a blog um, and then I got in touch with my editor and um, I said I can't stop noticing um the power behind this, and so much different from the first book, which is probably why i hadn't planned on writing another book again um this book came together in um in less than a year uh, my first mm. book it took me over four years oh my um, i don't remember yeah. that <laughs> yeah and and it, and it's a it's a it, i think it just came from a place of um just heart, um a place where there was um a sense of you know this this message here is something for all of us especially in a world that feels like it's upside down you know um yes i think uh, one of the reasons why i woke up woke up today on the wrong side of the bed um as we talked about at the at uh, the beginning of our call was I'd spent a little bit too much time this week in um, places of uh, no control. Right. (laughs) And we can make a difference in the quality of our life and the joy and um, just the uh, incredible gifts of uh, being in support of others. And, uh, again, these soul link relationships – are a great arena for that. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's
0: it's so funny because when you when you talk about the time that you sowed into the other book and and it it really is like sowing seed because you don't know what is going to come out of it. Uh and and certainly you couldn't predict what would come out of your climbing experience and then uh you know, as you said uh, as things uh happened in your life that that led you uh, to put this set of thoughts uh, into print, um, you know, I I see the picture of of a stone you know falling in water and and just the ripple effect, mm-hmm. and certainly your life a- and we've never met uh, you know which is is actually quite amazing when you think about how you've impacted what I have done just out of that really brief conversation of of the interview about your first book. And and it it colored so much uh, as I was writing my book, and I think about the people mm. who will read that and take yes. away from that. Yes. Um, you know, so you know, and and you and I aren't so very different in age, but you know, there there is is still a generational difference. But I think about the people that i have um had in my life and and I unfortunately lost my both of my parents but but my mother specifically uh the loss of her impacted me. I lost them both um oh gosh it's like it was two thousand and one, so uh we're more than a decade um uh, away from from having had them in my life and the thing i miss most now i've got high schoolers and my daughter is graduating from high school in 2 weeks and and i really miss the fact that they never knew my mother and mm-hmm. and one of the thing actually uh, either my mother or my father but in this book you talk about how the significance that you can get from these relationships mm-hmm. and you know at the core life is all about relationship but what I like is that you uh, bring into play the fact that the relationships don't have to be limited just to those that have biological ties and just a few yeah. weeks ago I was at a a, a young girl's. Um, retreat that is all about building in, you know, life significance based on their faith, and I, I had a, a very tactical job. Happened to be in the chapel for this particular uh, girls' retreat but but i was running the soundboard and i was you know managing the decorations and i mean i was just doing all of these very very ta- highly tactical things but one of the uh women who had been designated as a spiritual director on the weekend you know to give talks and and to be there if people needed any kind of counseling um she reminded me so much of my mother and it made oh, me miss my mom oh, and sure it and did. uh yes. but she came over to me Joan and and kind of Out of the blue, although I know there is no such thing as a blue, you know, (laughs) God has His hand on us at every moment. She handed me this little vial of mustard seeds. And of course, you know, as a a believer, you understand the significance of those mustard seeds is that if we have just that little amount of faith, that, um, you know, God can do anything. That we ask or imagine, and i 'm at that place, and you know you talk about how you got up on the wrong side of the bed i 've been you know like living in that place all morning of just being overwhelmed by um you know just tactical stuff right, mm-hmm. and so that moment of having that vial of mustard seeds in my hand and I, and I happen to have the gift of faith of really believing that everything is going to be fine, um, but she uh just her presence and her reminding me of my mother. Um mm. I, I asked her if we could get together for coffee sometime so that I could really sit at her feet and learn from her. And I think she was stunned because I found out later when I did meet with her that she doesn't have that level of self confidence to think that she really has anything to give. Um You know, I mean, as far as significance for a businesswoman like myself, right? But uh, anyway, so I want to lead into uh, the book and some of the stories that you tell uh, in this. But uh, let me just turn it over to you and and kind of set the stage for us of how you went about researching the book and how the book um, really uh, got fleshed out uh,
1: over the course of the year that it took you to write it. Yes, and and I – Thank you for sharing your your story um with the woman who gave you the mustard seed. I I, I think about that. that's that's exactly um what this I hope that this book helps us recognize uh to take that next step. Um for her to reach out to you, you to return it with a, let's have coffee and then you just never know where it takes off. So um that was a beautiful story. Well, I one of the things that I really felt grounded in uh, to get this book underway was this research that this um, professor from Boston College, which coincidentally was where I went, uh, where I received my my master's degree in clinical social work, and so this wasn't some sort of feel good. Kind of thing. There was something very distinctive between um, the uh, adult, child, and the elder. So that the um, the parent generation or the the, the middle generation in there um, really has um, has nothing to do with it. And in in so much of um, and I know this from our three kids growing up that. Oftentimes the parents uh, were so busy focusing on helping um, our kids get launched that that unconditional love um, sometimes uh, was not felt. Uh, um, and at the same time, that elder, so in my stepson's case, Andrew's um, uh, best friend next door who who was uh, – 50 years older than he was um could be that unconditional support um and and vice versa uh mm-hmm. he uh w- when they spent time in the kitchen as they did in the early years of their relationship um uh that she felt um totally free to be herself uh and 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 here here she was just being able to be um real and in in this place of um guiding this young uh young man into becoming this world class chef that he is right so right. so um so after after i s- i got i got a hold of that story and wrote it out um in its full um you know its its fullness uh and very much tied to the research, just like an anthropologist and a sociologist would do, I started to notice um, other relationships in my life uh, through friends of mine, through clients, through people that I knew. And I said, okay, here's another example of this. Um, uh, So um, Bob and Harry Chapin, Is one of my, you know, I love all the chapters, uh, but that one I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, here is a a friend and a colleague of mine um, who there was something missing with his relationship with his father um, that he wanted to make sure that he transcended that um, through his own children so that he, he could be there for his grandchildren and he and his wife made a huge commitment um to to literally live next door to their um uh one of their children's family and on the on all the days where he was not traveling for work um he would have breakfast with his two granddaughters um and mm. and <laughs> i i you know it's so so that story grabbed me And um, so I I, I said, that's a unique one. Um, And then somebody had shared with me um, a story about an Alzheimer's um, patient whose family had found a really, really unique um, place for her to live. And they creatively um, knew this um, about this cross-generational relationship connection and um during the day um this um this center which focuses on dementia and Alzheimer's patients who you know most of them are are seniors has a daycare center for children. And mm. the the magic between the connections that were made, um, story time was real story time it wasn't a nursery rhyme it was uh, a woman who's recalling her life the best she can and is sitting down with a captured audience and these kids are just enthralled and then you know two hours later they're making sandwiches together and Mm. um, (laughs) I mean it's precious it's precious Uh, and the the reason why this story um grabbed me so much is this is actually we um Duncan, as I mentioned um uh at the beginning, is a um is a therapy dog and we go to an adult um daycare center that uh supports dementia and Alzheimer's patients. And um I I just watch um um how they respond both to the therapy uh Dog to duncan's um loving comfort as he's a uh, an actual teddy bear that is alive and is 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 with them and just how they light up with uh younger people who you know just um uh, just are are listening and providing um such emotional support which mm-hmm. goes both ways as you know.
0: Well, I'll tell you, as as a serial entrepreneur, as you're talking, you know, of course, my mind goes to how can you institutionalize, you know, the the learning and the power in what you described of of taking preschoolers and, like, regularly involving uh, seniors in that and and how can you use that, uh, you know, really to um and institutionalized is probably the wrong word but i you know i'm trying to figure out how you get that word out
1: and not have it just be an anecdote that appears in your book yeah oh i know i mean this um there are many days that um i think you know how do i how do i move out from um just this story and i had a um just this week i um had a chance to to speak about the concepts in Soul Links at uh, Temple Bethel, which uh, here in Charlotte, they um, were beginning their their week of services in remembrance of the Holocaust. Yesterday was Holocaust Remembrance Day, and they invited me in to be um, part of their um, their senior program. These are folks 55 years old and older, and they were about a hundred of these uh, elder seniors um, the first part of the program two of um, two of two of the um, community uh, shared their stories of being holocaust survivors, which was mm. just breathtakingly um, um, moving uh, and my husband coincidentally and um he and I had just returned from um, Almost two weeks in Israel, and we had been to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, and so I was especially um, riveted, um, um, you know, by listening to uh, two survivors. Right. And then the invitation that they gave me to talk about about soul links, and what was so great was, you know, just as you say, how can you move these stories out? is um the tie in we were all able to make is is that for for us um as a world um the the survivors that remain um from the holocaust are um fewer and fewer and fewer uh each year and how do we make sure that we never forget and so we all said it's through these soul link relationships. You know, how do we get to um these young people who um you know, need to know about um what happened uh right. during World War II. Um and you know, uh, and you know, I could go on, but it just <laughs> so so this week I did a good job of um getting beyond the book you know you were
0: when you were sharing the story uh, about having breakfast you know with the grandchildren um we we made a decision uh, gosh it was a, over a decade ago now and it was it was after my parents had both died and mm. my father-in-law uh, had had a stroke about the same time that my mother did and and so he had been in a nursing home in um, in Atlanta and we had lived in Atlanta for a while and then we made the deci- decision to move to Florida knowing that we'd have have the struggle of having to move them here and we we did end up moving them here and and my mother-in-law we found her a small house about 15 minutes away from us and you know and that was great because you know my kids were at the age uh you know where it was really great to have her involved but she had a little mini stroke, and we ended up buying a house across the street from us. Oh. And my mother-in-law and I uh, got along well, but, you know, she wasn't somebody I would naturally have gravitated toward. But I can tell you that during the time she was alive, and, you know, she has since passed, she lived to 92. Um, but my kids spent every weekend over there with her, and they, mm-hmm. you know, love spending the night there. And there is no replacement for that and and we took a little bit different path with her than than some other people end up doing because we anticipated that she would want to live at home until she was gone, right, and that she didn't mm-hmm. want to live in a nursing home. And so we actually took the proactive step to pay for long-term care insurance for her so that we could afford to have somebody come and live with her.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: actually, uh, my, my producer, Patty, uh, lived with her, uh, at the time, and then we had, uh, were able to pay for nursing support that, that, um, really filled that gap so you know i think as we talk about reading things in a book like this that has so much power and then we think how do we practically practically take that out and you know bring it into the world and there are things like that that you can do to ensure that your kids actually do get to know your parents while they're living and you know for me doing that with my mother-in-law was because i couldn't do it with my own parents
1: Mm. well and i think um I really want to emphasize the point um here that you're able to look at your life and say here's where I have done this. Um so part of this is um part of my hope for this book is, you know, both to challenge um us to go farther and um to uh, to make connections with um, unlikely um uh, folks that you, we may not otherwise but also to look at what is going on in our life and where are we doing this so right, that we right. you know we can um we can we can own it and um uh and 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 know that um just as as you know you described this story with your mother-in-law and reminds me of um this great book, um, Being Mortal, which, uh, you know, <laughs> that could have been one of the examples in um, this particular doctor's um, uh, story that, you know, you you knew what um, she really wanted, how she wanted to design her life um, and to live at home. Right, right.
0: You know, Joan, um, I'm wondering if you can't just share with us some of the quick tips. I, I know we don't have time to go into all of the different stories, and I, I actually don't want want to, to be a spoiler alert for those stories because I <laughs> love for people to to actually pick up the book. But I I think that the power in in what you have pulled out at the end of the book of of the quick tips um, using and I'm I'm forgetting whether it's acrostic is that what it is when you've got a the beginning of each letter
1: means something, yes, yes, so i um I took the the term soul links and and um uh gave a a tip for for each of the letters um so why don't i um pick um pick on a couple of them um how about that and why don't I share Great. three three tips um <laughs> The first one is um is share uh, obviously standing for the S in soul links and the the stories that I notice that really are the richest and the the long lasting it's not about doing it's about being together and what I am am noticing um is much of a bad rap that the millennials get um they really do um uh, understand the value of just being with an elder um mm. and they are captivated with the stories i mean they just can't imagine um what life was like just listening to a radio um <laughs> and um and then um. I think what's so beautiful is they start to feel the emotional support that they're getting from the elder that they're with. So the first thing is, you know, really looking at um, sharing time. Um, and it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, uh, what you're doing it's 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 about being together. Um, the second thing um, I think that uh, I want to pick up on is the opportunity to uh, create some rituals that uh, can be part of the relationship. And I've got um, uh, two fun examples. And the the key thing here is to uphold those rituals. And they're rituals that you share. So uh, um, in one of the stories I um, uh, talk about a a grandmother who made incredible strides with her her grandchildren and then her grandchildren's friends where she had a special refrigerator um, in their home. And so when the grandchildren came over, all of their favorite snacks and drinks were in that refrigerator, but the parents were not allowed um, to go into that refrigerator. That was their refrigerator. So no doubt that when those um, young people came that, um that refrigerator needed to be stocked um mm-hmm. um but also that the, the the grandmother um definitely wanted um to see the excitement of them receiving that um so you know uh, upholding uh, agreements um I've got another example of um uh, of a grand mentoring relationship that started with letter writing. And this goes on today. I mean, I've I've uh, tracked this relationship now for. I think it's it's um, their letter writing um, lasted about. uh, It's been going on now for about eight years, and um, but there is that upholding, you know, not to go uh, letter silent. That um, you know, so so I think there's there's. um, that thing that piece around keeping agreements, you know, do right. what you say and say what you do.
0: Well, and it's interesting, that particular generation, uh, you know, our our grandparents and and my husband's uh mother, the one thing struck me about her is she and her sister, and, and her sister is still alive at I don't know, ninety five or ninety six now, they called each other every single week at the same time.
1: Oh, and you know, I realize achievable. now
0: uh and, and it's funny because now occasionally I will get a call from her sister. And I know she misses that connection, but that was an example of an agreement that they had made. And you know, I've actually reached out to my own sisters and said, you know, we probably should do that because then we'll know if something's wrong because we go months without talking in real time. You know, we'll we'll Text now and again, but um we don't have that weekly connection and now, with tools like conference calling that are so freely available and and free, um, you know we can have that agreement you know to connect with people, and you know as as you say in in um this this acrostic that you know, sharing and observing what they're saying and what they're not saying, right? Mm-hmm. And, and listening, um, really listening and not just waiting to say the next thing we want to say, right?
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah. And and we have to be um, observers of ourselves in that uh, and, you know, because we um, sometimes – Sort of lose sight that the other person isn't responding because um, there isn't the mutuality that um, I think is so cri- critical in this. Um, mm-hmm. That relationships die off if there isn't uh, a giving of gifts on both sides, um, and I'm not right. talking about uh, material gifts. It's it's the gift of the of of the relationship, um, the extending of the soul and the, the the last one um i would i would say is um t- uh, taking a stand for the other person the s um and i i think there's something that um young people um, and the elders can do for each other um so the young person from the standpoint of okay I'm taking um I'm taking my uh, grand mentor out to lunch. Um I'm going to make sure that I uh take enough time to get there and realize that this is not like taking a buddy of mine where we'll quickly hop in the car and we'll go. Um you know all of those courtesies that you know go into um the caring of that relationship and taking a stand for where that um grand mentor that elder is and and um and then conversely um the elder in in listening to the stories of what's happening in um that young person's life is 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 to take the stand for their life and not the particular behaviors, mm-hmm. so not get into critiquing you know um but in um focusing in on the hopes and dreams and taking a stand for um uh what they're working away from and towards and right um, and I think those are the those that way of being again um where you're taking a stand for the for the other really helps uh the relationship move forward.
0: And you know, it occurs to me, Joan, as I'm listening uh to what you're saying about this particular uh part of the life lessons that come out of this book is that even if we aren't looking at a multi generational relationship or those multi generations are ourselves and our children. And and I'm actually several generations away from my daughter because I didn't have her until I was 40, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's living in this uh, you know, this world where her her friends' parents um, you know, are much much younger uh than I am. And uh, I think I was sharing with you uh I forget whether it was before or after we started the call that uh she just turned 18. And she uh is graduating in two weeks and is already in that senioritis where, you know, they, they <laughs> just don't wanna they just don't wanna go to school anymore. Yeah, she's yeah, gone, I you know, remember another, that another full week and um you know, this child, uh you know, I remember people telling me what having a teenage daughter was going to be like and, and really warning me and kind of preparing me and and it has been nothing but wonderful. I mean I, I, I'm just incredibly blessed um you know she's a good kid um you know my kids are are blessed to be able to go to a christian school so they're able to live out that you know their mm-hmm. their faith and and in the world view that Um, you know, that we wanted them to have as the basis. Um, But so uh, a couple of months ago, my my daughter approached my husband, and and she had dated a guy for about 15 months, you know, kind of thought he was going to be the love of her life and and that she was going to be the, you know, marrying the high school sweetheart uh, story. And he broke up with her the first week of her senior year. And um, consequently, her senior year has not been anywhere near as happy as her junior year uh, Mm. was in the summers in in between Mm. uh, both her sophomore year and and her senior year. And um, so she approached her dad and wanted him to buy her a purity ring. Uh, And for those who don't know what that is, she wanted to declare that Mm. she was going to stay pure for her husband. So, you know, I was just so incredibly proud of her and, um, you know, they didn't involve me in it, which actually was quite appropriate that, you know, it was between she and her father. But then she starts lobbying. Okay, she's turning 18. And, you know, my kids, uh, like many kids, start thinking way ahead of time of what they want for their birthday, right? Yeah. So yeah. lo and behold, my daughter has decided that she wanted a tattoo for her birthday, <laughs> Now you know, I'm in my late fifties and when I was young the only people who had tattoos were, you know, guys who had been in the navy and and the guys who rode motorcycles and, and wore leather, right? right and and right. that's what a tattoo meant. Well, she wanted a tattoo that uh, embodied Ephesians 611, right? So she wanted a oh, sword and the yeah. words fully armored. Yeah. And, oh, I struggled literally for months. But yeah. but once we finally decided that this was a fundamentally, you know, just a, a great kid and, you know, here she was wanting to declare her faith, you know, in body art, which wouldn't be my choice for myself or for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I had to take that stand that what she was taking a stand for for herself, while not my choice for her, um, was actually going to be a good thing and was going to allow her, uh, you know, to declare her faith when people would see her in a swimming suit or, you know, in workout clothes at the gym or or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I, I think we can learn from the lessons in this book how to better communicate even within our own families and and then certainly take that beyond uh, in these other relationships. And it's been yeah. funny because I, as as we posted pictures of her, she took this beautiful picture at prom. Um, you know where it was uh, a black and white picture of her looking off into the distance over this water, and and her her sword was sticking out of her prom dress. Um, you know, and different people were posting what they thought of that, and I found myself taking a stand for her, right? Mm-hmm. And, and those words actually came to my
1: mind. So it's it's funny that that would be here in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very touched by that because that's ex- that is such a good example, and and it's not all always our initial reaction. Uh, and look how you came around to uh, being able to see really what it was um uh and yet the difference between you know your connection with body art initially and <laughs> that there was a much bigger um, piece for her that uh represented her her character and her values and her faith and um the stand that she was taking than the stand that you could take for her right so um that um love that that uh Hearing about that. So
0: let me just share with with our listeners. And again, if you can just picture uh, the beginning of each word of Soul Links. So the, those words that Joan uh, ha, has put here in the practical tips are share, observe, uphold, listen, invite, nurture, kindle, and stand. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that these things can be woven into every aspect of our lives, into our business relationships, um, into bridging that cultural and generational gap that can occur when you are working with someone from a different generation. Mm. Uh, I've been going through a bit of a struggle with, uh, I've got a young guy who uh, wanted to help me on sales, but as it turns out, um one of the things of his particular generation is they communicate in way different ways. And I Mm -hmm. wanted him to have the discipline to write down his conversations in our Salesforce system and, and, you know, and, and I just could not get him to do it. And so, you know, I I think having practical ways that that we can learn how to communicate even a, a business goal and and you know trying to nurture those relationships and and kindle interest uh in in the other person to understand you know why they're being asked to do something i i think that that can have really super positive
1: results mm, yep yep <laughs> a good reminder yes um keep those tools out in front for all of us um uh you know in in so many of our relationships So, Joan, what's
0: next for you? I know you said that you didn't intend to write a second book. Is is there a third book in the wings, or are you uh, turning your uh, attention and your focus to your your coaching and your consulting work?
1: Well, I think that's a very fair question. I I really don't um, have any itch. Um, My itch really, um, you know, in fact, you reminded me that, I have a responsibility to um uh to get this message out. I feel like it's such an um a place um for us to be right now in our world that, you know, um uh taking the the elders and uh the millennials and helping them connect um in mutually beneficial ways is is um a calling for me now. So, um the book is a, a means, uh, to, to get that message out. And um I continue to do my executive coaching work with leaders and organizations, especially helping them move from success to significance. Um, so I'm um I feel full. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well it it sounds like what this book has done is taken, you know, what, what you have been doing, you know, is your day job and actually helping to flesh it out in new ways. I mean, I can see, uh, you know, coaching senior executives and, and part of the problem that companies have are people, right? Um, In fact, most problems can be drawn back to the relationships. Um, And, you know, in corporate life, we so often see them jettison jettison off um, the older uh, folks partially because they make more right, than the younger folks. Um, and maybe they're not quite as technically savvy or up on the new things. But it seems to me that there is a bridge here um, that could actually help executives tap in to the not only the the knowledge and wisdom um and, and the institutional knowledge about an industry, but really to take those life events and and to create that bridge with the younger people and help them understand the value uh even in a corporate sense mhm,
1: yes, because it, it um it does come down to relationships and you know we know um oh too well about Gallup's um Research saying that seventy percent of employees are disengaged, well, um, imagine that all the generational cohorts that are in organizations today coming together um, in deeper ways from a relationship standpoint, not from a utility standpoint um, how much How much more successful the cultures would be, and therefore the the bottom line. Right, right.
0: So, Joan, if folks would like to follow you, get in touch
1: with you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, two ways um, they can reach me on email at joan at o'sullivanwright dot com, uh, and also my website um, o'sullivanwright dot com
0: fabulous. And and Joan, I just I so appreciate the time that you have uh given us today on the show and I encourage our listeners uh to go out and get a copy of this book. And again, the book is Soul Links: Pursuing Multigenerational Significance. Our guest has been Joan O'Sullivan Wright, and Joan, I just uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend and that uh, getting out of the
1: bed on the wrong side is a distant memory <laughs> it for is, the rest it of is. your weekend. Uh, and thanks, to, uh, thanks to you and the show, um, it, it it really was a good anchor for me this morning. And happy Mother's Day. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you so much. You too. You too. And I, I didn't mention uh, I, I had stories I was going to interject about my son as well. Uh, he just turned sixteen, and, and uh, in fact, when my, when my mother-in-law was uh, in, in the process of passing away through uh, hospice care, um, my, my daughter didn't want to spend time with him or with her, mm-hmm. uh, because they had been so close and she was already mm. anticipating the pain of the loss, whereas mm. my son sat at her side and read books to her when, mm. when she couldn't even respond. And uh, so I am looking forward to this Mother's Day uh, uh, with them. They are just at such a fun age. And uh, so thank you so much for reminding me uh, of that role. I sometimes get so caught up in my business uh that I I forget the significance of that particular role mm, that I play. Yeah,
1: yeah. It will be a a a a good day for both of us, I know. It will Well, Joan have an
0: amazing weekend and uh for our listeners, if you would like to learn more about my company and what we do, uh you can go to solutions with z.com and uh if you will uh just Keep an an eye on that site. My book will be coming out hopefully this summer, uh, and and the book is called The Game Changer, uh, which is how we have now rebranded this show. We used to uh, just focus on executive women, but uh, we really want to reach out and help people really change the game of of their life and and wherever you are in life. And so having authors like Joan on to share these different uh, practical ways Uh, really to change your game is, is what this show is all about. So thank you for spending your time with us, and we hope to see you again soon. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald.